0: some decisions are forced upon us and some decisions we get to make on our own. And the decisions that are forced upon us, here's a crossroads where I have to make a decision and what do I want to decide?
1: Well, listen, I am so excited that you're here because- you know, I do hear a lot about the concept of pursuing your passions, and you know I always debate if this is true for everybody and 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 while I don 't necessarily think that it may be true for everybody, the opportunities are there, and I think some people are just more willing to yeah. grab onto them and jump and which is something that you did. so let me introduce you pro- properly, so we have Christopher Kurtz, Christopher is the uh, chief. Kindest officer uh, of Do Good Be Kind, which you'll introduce in just a moment, um, and I, I connected with Chris uh, a few years back when you were working at Glassdoor at the time, and yeah. you contacted me trying to present Glassdoor, um, and ever since, you know, we just connected through through LinkedIn, and. As I am looking for people to invite, I'm always looking for people that I'm interested in hearing about. Even if the audience doesn't want to read it or hear it, I'm okay with that. And yeah, I started we'll have a great reading, conversation. Yep. Once, once I started reading what you're doing, I said, I got to reach out to Chris. And luckily you answered and here you are. So as I always start, I want to pause and give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience. Who are you?
0: What do you do? Tell us. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Gustavo. Um, I think that, that who are you question, that's a question of evolution, right? I think we're always evolving and reintroducing ourselves. Yep. Um, the title Chief Kindness Officer, you know, I've actually found one other individual. She's in New York City who has that title. Oh, really? But that's the, that's the beauty of creating your own organization is you can also create your own title.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: um, and I'm okay with that. You know, when I really sat back and I thought about you know, this organization of Do Good, Be Kind, and what can it do, or what does it mean? I thought, what is the title I want to ascribe myself there? So it's it's big and bold. It gives me a lot to live up to. And um, so I guess the first question is, who am I? I? I'm Chris Kurtz. First and foremost, I'm a dad. I have four amazing sons, which, you know, if you're from Utah or come from a Catholic family, that's a starter family.
1: That's right.
0: But right. <laughs> a starting kids. <laughs> When we moved to California, it's like environmentally (laughs) reckless to have that many children. No, People probably look at you weird. (laughs) Well, they they wonder for paying like, you know, carbon credits for that many. uh, (laughs) That's right. That's right. You're paying extra. uh, Yeah. Um, So I, I have four wonderful sons and I think like most parents, and this is why I start with this, Gustavo, I think like most parents, you know, I'm trying my best to live and lead an example for them that would teach them the values that my father in many ways taught me and maybe some of the values that perhaps he didn't that I want to espouse. And the reason Mm -hmm. I I start with that is because just like my fictitious title of of chief kindness officer, so many of us identify ourselves with a job title. And they're temporary, Mm. aren't they? I remember the very first time I was in an organization, it was 20-something years ago, and somebody that I really admired and looked up to, I remember when the organization sent out the blanket email that they were no longer with the company. And it was just that. Like, this individual had dedicated 23 years or something to the organization, and they got, like, a two-sentence, you know, email in an all-company email. And it basically just said, you know, John Doe's left the organization. We're excited to announce blank. And it was yeah. in that moment I, I, I envisioned – uh, quicksand. Remember as a kid, you're always afraid of quicksand. Yeah. Turns out it's not as big of a problem as we, as we thought it was, but I, I envision quicksand like an individual just goes into quicksand and then the organization finds somebody else to fill that title. Yeah. And, and so almost, you know, in starting out when you say, who are you? And it's one of the things I've really appreciated about um, even this move to Hawaii and individuals I've met from New Zealand, you know, in, in cultures outside of the United States, we rarely start with what do you do professionally? And oh. so anyone who watches and listens to this, you are who you are way beyond a title that somebody else is going to have when you're gone. But your title of mom or dad or husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend, that, that will never go away. That's yours to yeah. have. And so That's right. you know, first and foremost, I'm a dad of these four stinky boys. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 22 years. We never in our wildest dreams uh, thought we'd be you know, where we are today, but it's been an, an adventure. And I think we'll talk about a little bit about that as well. If yep, you we go yep, forward. Yep. Um, and what do I do? You know, I've been thinking about this five years ago, five years and one month ago, I came home from president's trip for a company I was working for. I'd taken four of my reps to president's trip and you know how they are. I mean, they wine you, they dine you. We had yep. a wonderful time in Cabo and yeah. and for a moment you forget all about sales <laughs> quota and everything else. <laughs> And then they crushed it. You think you made it. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember coming back from president's trip and and two weeks later, I was told I was being put on a performance plan, right? That was my very first like, whoa, what is this? And and I sat down, I said, man, I'm getting put on a performance plan. It didn't make sense. And I remember um, walking out of that meeting thinking I have two options. Well, actually I had three, right? I thought I can fight it out. I can look for a different position or I can take control of my situation.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And, and I remember thinking at the time, okay, I'm going to take control of my situation and I'm going to leave the organization. And I had a trip planned with one of my sons to go watch a Duke lacrosse game. He was really into lacrosse at the time. And I remember going through the airport with this, this son of mine, he had no idea, Gustavo, what was going on, but in Mm. my gut, in my gut, I was terrified. You know, I'm like counting every penny, thinking this is this could be the last, right? I don't know what's going to happen with this performance plan, leaving the organization. Um, But I I share that because it was a defining moment too of I think where a lot of people find themselves right now, which is some decisions are forced upon us Mm. and some decisions we get to make on our own. And the decisions that are forced upon us, it it may not be how we want it to go. It may not be something that we're quite ready for. That was definitely the case for me five years ago. But looking back in the five years, and I even put a post about this today, the struggle, the heartache, the pain, the growth that's come from that, Gustavo, has been a direct result of here's a crossroads where I have to make a decision, and what do I want to decide? And so when you ask, what do I do? You know, five years ago, my wife, bless her, she, the, my last day at the organization, she called me and she said, hey, listen, before you come home and have to shift gears into being dad, let's go to dinner and I want to give you time to process this. Right? What a gift. What yeah. a gift she gave yeah. me. She said, I want yeah. you to give me time to process And as we sat there, she says, what do you really want to do? And I said, man, I said, I really... This is, this is PG rated, right? Gustavo, this is okay. Okay. (laughs)
1: It's okay. If we, if we dabble into PG 13 and a little bit of a quick R it's fine.
0: (laughs) Okay. You know, my wife said, what do you want to do? And I'll never forget. We're sitting there at at, at, a fantastic little ramen place in Santa Rafael, California. And I said, I really want to help organizations and managers not suck. Mm, I said, that's, you know, I, I said, how do we help them have a better experience than some of these experiences? And and when I said that it, it was like you know, lightning was just like through my system. And so I started a consultancy called Peer Through.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was
0: really to help organizations with Glassdoor. We help with procurement strategy and review management. But okay. I find that on the back end of every negative review, there's a human element element involved. You know, there's a shortcoming of communication, there's a conflict that hasn't been resolved, there's a missed expectation. And that's what drives those. And so if you can really get to the heart of those, you can fix a lot of that. And then a couple of years later, I, I said to my wife, you know, I really would like a t-shirt for my, for my company. Cause I think everybody has a t-shirt, right? That's the cool thing to do. <laughs> and, uh, I said, the problem is like, I can't put peer through on a shirt. That's not really appropriate. Hmm. And I said, what about my email signature? What if you were to put do good, be kind on there? And, I came downstairs one morning and she had gifted me. She had made a t-shirt that said, do good be kind on it. I love it. I still have it. That's right. And, and I, you, and I you have I, one on now. I, I, I've i worn one. Gustavo, This is a tr- true story. I have worn a t-shirt or a shirt or something that says, do good be kind. Every single day for three years. Every day I, I put it on. And it's almost this subtle reminder, you know, like yes. a wedding. I don't even have my wedding ring on. Like a wedding ring yes. or like your your favorite baseball hat or something, you know, I, I put it on and it's the reminder to me that, hey, you know, when you're stuck in traffic today or when somebody gets upset with you, here is your subtle reminder to take a deep breath and to try and live this message.
1: Just just hold on a second. The mental picture, you get in an accident and you come out with that shirt and you start yelling and screaming.
0: Oh, well, well I can... <laughs> I can tell you, we just had this happen not even a month ago. Um, you know, we had accidentally parked, and, and, I, and I mean accidentally, it was truly unintentional, parked in somebody's parking spot here. And the owner came out, and he was irate, and he's yelling at me, and he's yelling at my wife, and, and, and this is over the fence, right? And he says, well, let's go, into the, let's go into the parking lot. We got out there, and all of a sudden, he looks at my shirt, and he goes, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I've overreacted right and i was just looking at him and i said hey listen i, I think it's a misunderstanding you know there, and he, he's reading my shirt and he goes you know I, I think i've overreacted i didn't mean any disrespect and i said you know it's okay we would never do this intentionally and and so it does it, it definitely has that it's a that reminder yes oh yeah yeah yes, definitely yes. a reminder
1: so for three so, years you'll be wearing your, your basically your message which is do good be kind
0: do good be kind and you know i i I think about this a lot. Like there's a lot of really kind people, Gustavo, who don't do things. They're just kind. And sometimes they're looking for things to do or a little prompt. And there's a lot of people who do good, but they're not really kind people. We yeah. see this. It, it's easy to write a check to a charitable contribution for the tax benefit, but be a total jerk. Um, that mm. exists as well. Yeah. And so when we, you know, we put this on a shirt and what ended up happening is a, a school teacher found it, <laughs> You know, the power of social media. Um, A school teacher saw this and said, hey, I'd love one of these t-shirts. We ended up printing them in five different colors for her. And about a month later, she called and she said, hey, my principal loves this shirt. She loves the message. She'd like to hear about your school program. I paused and I said, we don't have a school program. (laughs) And she said, well, you have a meeting next Tuesday at 1230. I'm sure you'll come up with something. And so... It was actually May uh, 2017. We sat down with a principal. And this principal, it was interesting in the conversation. She said, you know, if we graduate a generation of students who can read and write, who know math and science, but they don't know how to be kind to each other, we failed. Mm. And she said, if we look at what our, our children today, I get really choked up thinking about this still, Gustavo. When we look at our children today, if they're taught by the values of media, we're failing them. And when this principal said that to me, it was another lightning in the bones moment. I went, okay, we'll do a program. We'll come mm-hmm. up with something. Yep. Um, and so I called my dad. I said, hey, you know, I've, I've never done an assembly. I have no idea. I, you know, I've done HR training and sales training. And, but man, 300 kids is a different story. Yeah. They're pretty honest. And uh, he said, I, I would write, children love stories. People love stories. And so I sat down one Sunday and I wrote a book. It's a children's book. We're in the process of publishing it. It's ready to go, but it's just not published yet. I wrote a children's book called The Most Remarkable Frog. And we've now shared that book with over, well, just last year alone, over 10,000 students in two countries and four states Mm -hmm. um, traveling around. And then that message is now spread into organizations. You know, I just read an article that said... um, companies estimate that over 50 percent of americans right now are experiencing mental health issues and i think about that from the employer perspective you know when people start coming back to work or they want to come back to work are we equipped as organizations as hr leaders to work with and deal with the emotional issues that are going to come out of this and so um I guess it was about a year ago. This time, I had a chief of police call me. He asked if I'd be willing to do some do good be kind training for their police force, and you can imagine my response. There was a long pause, and I said, "Well, this is kind of a, a soft message for a bunch of cops." And I know <laughs> he said, "Well, he says, you know, why don't you why don't you take a stab at it?" And I'll never forget standing on the stage. You know, standing with uh, ninety police officers, and I said, "I'm going to put you at ease right now. There, there'll be no trust falls." there'll be no hugging, <laughs> right? You might cry at some point in this, but that's up to you. We actually had a wonderful session. And, and at the end, one of the lieutenants came up to me and he said, every police officer in both sessions now has said, we need more of this. Mm. We need more of this training. And, and that's where I really feel, you know we have something that's powerful, it's simple in four words. You and I have seen a lot of organizations, Gustavo, that have these massive, beautifully written mission statements. Mm. And they talk about all these wonderful values. Yeah, I, I always joke when I speak in conferences. I talk about Enron's value. You know, they're <laughs> on their statement. It says integrity. I know. <laughs> Go Enron, right? But, <laughs> but really, if organizations say, "Look, you know, our values are do good, be kind," and we have them written down, it doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
1: so, tell that me was a long little bit. To what do I do? no no i i i want to dive uh for a moment um you know a a, a police a police force right a group of policemen is a a a, is a difficult group to to address this message why why do you think the 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 um the gentleman that reached out to you was asking for it what what was he trying to accomplish
0: yeah you know um I love that question when he reached out you know there, there's no question if you just look in the media and if you just google right police brutality yeah police relations you know millions and millions of responses are going to pop up within less than half a second so for him you know this this police chief said look policing is really not difficult it's very simple and i'll, I'll give you an example prior to me going and doing this session, I said, I would like to spend some time with some of your officers. I'd like to do some ride alongs. And I just want to observe. And so as we're riding along, you know, there's one moment that really stood out to me. We're driving past the driveway. The police officer looks over and there's an elderly man picking up a tire. And about, I don't know, half a block down the road, this police officer looked at me and he said, I probably should have offered to help him with his tire.
2: Hmm.
0: That's good policing. Yeah. And Uh, that's what the chief was trying to get at. You know, good policing is part of being in your community and helping your community so that if an incident were to take place on that block down the street, that gentleman would have had a positive interaction with the local police department. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's what the police chief was really trying to drive at. And so when we came together the five principles that we talk about in schools, they're the same we use in our, our business coaching. It's number one, to be accountable. What does it mean to hold each other accountable so that I don't have to rely on a manager, so I don't have to go to a boss and I can avoid politics. Um, number two, and this was really big, this was one of these big aha moments with this this uh, the policemen and, and women, were be kind to yourself. And I start with this, especially in organizations We are a society, Gustavo, you know this, where we have been on rinse, repeat cycle for so long. I talk to so many professionals who they come home at the end of the day and they have a glass of wine, not necessarily to enjoy it, but to take the pain away.
2: That's right. And
0: until they can go again tomorrow. Yeah. And they look forward to Thursday because Thursday is Friday Eve. And Friday Eve means Friday which is generally some YouTube videos you know cat videos and a couple jokes and then I'm out for the weekend right That's we right. start it all over again yeah and so when we talk about this concept of being kind to yourself it really comes down to be kind to yourself mentally emotionally and physically and i hear so many organizations that preach this concept of work life balance i don't hear enough talking about work life harmony you know you love music and when we listen to a, a symphony, boy, we can hear if something's out of harmony. And it's the same in our life. If our relationship with our child is out of harmony, it, it manifests in other areas. If, our, if we're not seeing our friends, you know, my wife is good to call me out on this. She'll say, you know, you've neglected your friends. They've invited you to go cycling or hiking, hiking or whatever. And you're so tied up with work. And I feel that that's out of harmony.
2: Yeah.
0: And so when things are in harmony boy, it's, it's fun to come home. You know, we love our kids. We pet the dog, right? We throw back a cold beer and a barbecue in the evening. When they're out of harmony, we kick the dog. We yell at the kids. We ease the pain with alcohol. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. And so yeah. when we talk about this concept of being kind to yourself, it has to start there. It has to start with be kind to yourself. And I'll never forget having this, this officer I said, I'd I love a volunteer, you know, who'd like to come forward and this officer stands up and he's like Captain America. I mean, like muscles on muscles, really handsome. And uh, he comes walking up and I probably shouldn't have said, this is not HR or PC. I just looked at him, and I went, damn. Right? <laughs> and, and, and everyone kind of chuckled and I said, you were thinking it too, but you know, he's standing next to me and I, and I asked this officer, I said, okay, you know, what, what would you like to work on? And he said, I, I need to work on being kind to myself emotionally. Mm. And all of a sudden, his lieutenant and one of the sergeants like immediately looked up and he said, "If I make a mistake, I get really hard on myself. I beat myself up, and I get into a really dark place." Well, people are going to make mistakes. We all make yeah. mistakes. How do we help each other out of those? And you can imagine, especially in an occupation where you're you're wearing a uniform that says authority, and you make a mistake, and it's televised on the five o'clock news, and it's now on social media and viewed, you know. 14 million times before you get home. That's really big. So he, you know, he, he really broke down and it was fascinating watching this team rally around this individual. And one of the things I tell everyone in this conference is I want you to know these five things. One, I want you to know that you're smart. I want you to know that you're brave for sharing this. I want you to know how grateful I am. And I want you to know that You are kind, and it's important to be kind to yourself. And the last thing I want you to know is that you're loved. I want you to know that I love you. And as I said this to this, you know, Captain America, somebody snickered. And I paused for a moment, and I said, wait a second. I'm not sure why that's funny to any of you. I would love to be with my family right now, but I'm here with you as a sign of my love for you. And I said, my question is, is there anyone in here who wouldn't take a bullet for your comrade right here, for your brother? And boy, Gustavo, like it got the seriousness you may feel from me right now. It just goes. And then everyone.
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And it yes. got really real. Now, yeah. we don't talk about this a lot in, in the corporate world. We don't talk oh. about this concept of love no. because it's, it's not masculine. Yeah. It's not tough. It's not every – Word we can ascribe to business, right? Business war, business is a battle, business is winning and losing. Love doesn't fit in there. But in reality, you know, when we lead with love, I think of Mark Crowley um, often. When we lead with love, boy, we get so much more done. Yeah. And then we can talk about the other things, being kind to each other, right? Mm -hmm. Be kind to one another. And the last one we talked about is being kind to the world around us. And so when you ask, you know, what was this police chief looking for? When I shared with him, Here's what we do in schools. Tell me how this would resonate with your police force. These five things, be accountable, do good, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, be kind to the world around you. When I said that, he goes, that's it. That's what I want. And what was really cool is, oh, maybe a month, two months later, I don't know. Um, I started getting pictures of patrol cars with a sticker. I'm trying to see if I have one laying around here somewhere. I usually have a bunch of them. Here's one, you know, kind of like... Uh, this is say, do good, be kind. Yep. Yep. And, and they're sending me pictures of their patrol cars and they say, Hey, I put these stickers in my patrol cars to remind me, right. When I roll up on someone, take a deep breath, maybe something's going on when I pass, you know, somebody that needs help on the street, I look at the sticker and I say, Hey, I can go help them. That's good policing. Yeah. So that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. So, so
1: I want to go back to before you launch uh, um, you know your organization, because you know why i I connected with your story is because you know we hear we hear these speakers and these you know famous people recognizable people, yeah you know, be it Simon Sinek or Oprah, and we identify ourselves with them from the perspective that they're projecting something that many people will like to have. But at times I struggle with their message, not because I don't believe in it, but because it's I feel that it's so far
2: from yeah.
1: where I'm at, where most people are. So I wanna go back because here you are at a job, you're being put on a performance plan, and you're trying to figure out what, what to do next. And it's not like you have a plan laid out. It's not like you have a business on the side that is running a full swing where revenues are just coming in and you have the liberty of saying, screw that, my finances are so well that I can do whatever I want. And you decide with your wife that it's time to pack your bags and moved to a place that you and her had talked about, we're gonna get there but yeah. perhaps while others may have waited to get there, financially, st- financial stability, the kids are older, you guys packed your bags without necessarily being there financially and company-wise, and you said, we're going. Tell us yeah. from that moment that you saw that your wife had sold the dinner table
0: without <laughs> you knowing, <laughs> what happened? You remember that. So – you know, I, I think you, you mentioned these things, you know, Simon Sinek and Oprah Winfrey, they're aspirational. So we hear in their words things that we want to aspire to. Yeah. And all of us by divine design, right? We are by divine design. We are creators. It's why we live. It's why we're, we're, we innovate every day to live. And sometimes we forget that. Um, but there's a cognitive dissonance, is there, isn't there? there? There's a cognitive dissonance that says, but I'm not Oprah. So I have this aspirational desire to do something big, but man, I'm not Oprah. I'm not worth forty-two billion. How am I going to do that? I'm not Simon Sinek. I'm not well published. Um, Two things that that happened, and this is what I would share with anybody. Uh, Number one, again, some decisions are forced upon you. Mm -hmm. You know, would it have been ideal to have a stockpile of cash and to make that jump? Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? I I don't share this often, but shortly after i left that that company and we were kind of starting on our own i was embezzled by a a very good friend to the tune Mm. of an obscene amount of money i was embezzled by him and when the payment came due and i called him i said hey you know where's the first payment he he just said listen i'm sorry i'm not i'm not paying you and i was like what and he said yeah he's i i'm really sorry dude well karma's kind of crazy isn't it i saw a news article just about a year ago and he was on the front page, and he's serving twenty-three years in prison for embezzlement. So, oh, wow. so you got to be careful. But yeah. why do I share that? I share that because um, I I I meet a lot of people who are waiting, like you said, Gustavo, for that right time. I'm waiting for the kids to be gone. I'm waiting for uh, to have enough money on the side. I'm waiting for whatever it might be. And and I do a lot with personalities, and so I understand that there are those personalities who are much more risk averse than others. And and if you really looked at my life, you you wouldn't think I'm a really big risk taker. I'm not. But there's something my wife said that I'll say and then I'll repeat it because it was so profound. She said, I don't want the pain of regret to be heavier than the weight of the struggle. And -hmm. I'll say it one more time. I want you to think about your life. You know, I've talked to a lot of people like, man, I want to get a law degree. I'm thinking about it. I want to start a side hustle. I'm thinking about it. I've got this great corndog recipe, better than any corn dog I've ever had. I'm thinking about it. Well, you may think about it for the next five years, but five years down the road, your corndog recipe could be the next big franchise. And so the, the statement, once again, is don't let the pain of regret be heavier than the weight of the struggle. Mm. And so we know this, you know, we see Oprah at her best. We see Simon Sinek after he's published, but I never saw all the articles that didn't work or the books for Simon that Simon may have written that didn't get, you know, there's the top spot on the New York bestsellers list. And and we see them at the best. And so when we made this decision, we said, number one, there's no guarantees. Um, This business could work or it could not. What are we willing to learn as we go? And do I want the pain of regret to be harder than the struggle? No, I don't. I don't want want to look back in five or 10 years and say, man, I wish I would have done that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I have one of those moments I think we all do in our career. In 2007, I had been, I don't know how far and wide this video will go, but in 2007, I I was accepted to my dream job as an FBI agent, right? My childhood dream. I wanted to be an FBI Mm -hmm. agent. And I, I got my letter from the FBI. I was awaiting my appointment to Quantico, which was coming up in September. And then I got this dream promotion from my, the company I was with. And so here I am, like, dream job, promotion. I know what this road already entails. But, man, here I could be, you know, Jack Bauer, 24, and carrying a gun and a badge. And, and I took the safe road. I took the promotion. And, you know, if you ask my wife, she'll say every May 21st, every time May 21st rolls around, I remember May 21st, 2007 was the day I sent a fax in to the FBI withdrawing my name,
2: oh. right?
0: And oh. now I look and I say, is the pain of regret heavier than the weight of the struggle? Yeah. And at the time, I don't think I was ready for that struggle. Yeah. And so for anyone's watching, I'm not saying be reckless. I would never say that. But the reality is something we saw last year was three of our close friends, young, healthy, diagnosed with cancer you know, accident, whatever it may be. And again, there's that cognitive dissonance that says we're going to live forever and then we see these things happen. And so what I would say to anybody watching this, if it's a book you want to write, if it's a blog, just sit down and write 200 words. Sit down and record yourself on a video. It's not going to be amazing. And that's okay because the beauty is in the creation of it. Yeah. And if it takes off, wonderful. But if it doesn't, you've satisfied that innate desire to create. Yeah. So I came home. Um, yeah, to your point, July 11th. It was actually the night I trained the second group of police officers. Uh-huh. I came home. I turned on the light, and um, the couch was gone, and the dining table was gone. And I walked upstairs, and I said to my wife, "It's like 11 o'clock." And I said, "Brittany, the the couch is gone." And she said, "I know. We're selling everything, and we're moving to Hawaii." And she's, she put everything on Facebook and she said that again. She said, I don't want the pain of regret. You know, we've dreamt of moving to Hawaii for how many years? And of course, Gustavo, we never anticipated a pandemic, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. I will say the weight of the struggle right now is it feels crushing on days. But at the, at the same time, I'm so grateful on my worst days. I, in fact, I'm looking right now at palm trees and I'm grateful on my worst days. I walk out to the beach, I put my feet in the sand. Yesterday, my eight-year-old son said, "Dad, can we have a date?" And I said, "What do you want to do?" And he goes, "I just want to go play in the shore break for a little bit." Mm. You know, it didn't cost me anything, but a half a subway sandwich, and we went and played in the shore break for a little while. And yeah, and those are times that I'm never going to get back. And so when I look at that, I think is the weight of the struggle providing what we dreamt of? Yeah, in in many ways it is, and so much more. Well, and that's I what mean, I would share with anyone listening.
1: But I want people to know, you guys moved to Hawaii. That was last year, if I'm not mistaken.
0: My wife, so once everything was sold in July of last year, uh, she bought four one-way tickets. I bought my one-way ticket later, and on August 27th, I put my wife and three of my four sons on a plane to Hawaii. They went to Hawaii, and I flew, I don't even remember where, to go start doing assemblies, and then I joined them three months later. We had a, about a almost a month together, and then they went back to Hawaii, and I traveled again for a couple more months doing assemblies until assembly season was you know partially over and then of course COVID hit now it's you know we're, we're reinventing yeah um so yeah it, we're coming up on a year it'll be a year in August
1: so so you know this is brand new uh and you're you know pushing a business an organization that you're trying to lift now in the middle of coronavirus um in an island that it's completely disconnected from the state. So whatever business so you've had, I mean, you're so far. Um, yeah. but when you and I spoke, you know, you, you brought up the question and, and I think this is what many of us, I think ask ourselves maybe what mm-hmm. is the action that is missing? What are you willing to do to make your dreams come true? Yeah. It's so Boy, simplistic, but, but, but at the end of the day, what if, What are you willing to put in in order to get what you want? and look, I'll be the first one to admit. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mother, um five kids, four four boys, one 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 girl. My father was no way around. Uh, I never had my father, so i didn't I don't even know what that looks like um, And she had to figure out things right. She didn't have the choices that I have or the options that I have today. So I get it that sometimes life gives you lemons and, and, and you have to make lemonade. I get it. I, I, I don't want us to come across as, as preachy because yeah. it, it's, it's, it, we know that there are circumstances. But I, I, I always go back and I go, my, my mother had a couple of options. My mother could have found a man to marry, to take care of, so that she would be taken care of. They didn't right. do that. Um, my mother could've leave us. She could've just say, this is too much, screw you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother ended up working part-time at a bank, and then she started her own business, sending, uh, selling bras and panties at, at the bank where she worked. And yeah. then over the years, she grew it until she was able to quit And with that business that she built, she was able to, I was the only one in my family that went to college uh, outside of Puerto Rico, private school, and three quarters of it was paid by my mother, who to this day continues to work. So I I tell my my wife, you know, I come from a a family where working was non-negotiable. And you can't complain. You can't bitch and moan about what you got because I saw her. But here's the challenge that probably many people face like me, that at some point, you know what your priorities are and you're willing to put other things on hold because you either have a wife or you either have kids and you guys found the perfect harmony of taking a risk, a huge risk but still taking the plunge and moving forward to pursue your dreams. Um, what, do you think, what do you think you guys have? And I'm including her because certainly when you are in a partnership, you can't oh, do it yeah. alone, right? Yeah. yeah what absolutely. do you think you guys have that perhaps you may be seeing that other couples may not have that allow you to take those risks while others may say, oh, no, no, we'll wait, we'll wait.
0: Yeah, boy, that's a that's a loaded question. I know. Um <laughs> I wonder if my wife would agree with anything I say right now too. Let me <laughs> let me start. I'll with interview that. her next. Say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say she may say, No, we don't have that at all. Um I, I think we, we have to back up a little bit to to give where that question comes from. So, you know, when I left Glassdoor, when I left that organization, I've had so many people reach out to me over the years and they say, Hey, can I get career advice? And You know, I'm looking at different things. And I remember sitting down with somebody and I put together these three questions. The first question is, what do you like? What do you wish? And exactly how you quoted, what are you willing to do to make your wish come true? That's where the rubber meets the road. God bless your mother, Gustavo, because her her wish was to have a college-educated son. Yeah. Yeah. And what was she willing to do to make that happen? so much, you know, when I think about the story, my FBI story, I was willing to take an $80,000 pay cut to join the FBI. I was willing to do that. You know what I wasn't willing to do at the time? And I look back on it now and I think it was so foolish. I wasn't willing to have this difficult conversation with my VP at the time because I wasn't sure where it was gonna go. I was afraid, what if I bring this up with the VP and he says, oh, well, if you're joining the FBI, then we're going to cancel your contract now.
2: Yeah.
0: What if, And, you know, ironically, like almost a month later, I said, hey, I'm, I'm running this challenge with relocation. And you know what the VP said to me? We don't care. We don't care when or how you move. It's okay. But I wasn't willing to have the conversation. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things when you ask me the question, what do my wife and I have? I think we have a a lifetime. Well, okay. Not a lifetime, but we have many years of those experiences that we can look back on now and say, what were we willing or not willing to give up? Yeah. We have the blessing of perspective. You know, wisdom comes from multiple failures. We have, and I look at her, we have the, the, I, I would say this, we have the blessing of losing everything and driving old cars my 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 most favorite possession right now is a 1994 Toyota pickup with the 22 RE motor because it'll never die, right? All of my cars have over 200,000 miles on it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm okay with that because we also live in a place now, and I, I won't say who, but not too long ago, I was talking to somebody here on the island, very famous musician. You can guess who he is. And I was joking about my truck and he looked at me and he said, it's going to rust anyway. Yeah who who cares? Yeah. And so when I say that, when I look back and you say, what do we have? I would say we have the blessing of hindsight and the blessing of perspective. Maybe perhaps we've lost close friends, Gustavo, or because I've lost uh, teammates in unexpected ways that I have yeah. this blessing to know what's really important, what's really valuable. And and we get really caught up into the media telling us what we need to have and not enough looking inward and saying, what do I, what do I really want to have?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now I share this cause you, you have the words HR behind you there. And I, and I want to put this in here. There are so many organizations that want to have diversity. But they're not willing where the rubber meets the road. What are you willing to do to make your wish come true? Are you willing to bring your people to a table and say, let's talk about this Ahmad Arbery shooting? How did it affect you? Yeah, You saw it. I saw it. My kids have seen it. Yesterday, I took the time with my, my three sons that are here in the car, and I asked them just carte blank. I said, what is racism? How do you see it? How do you feel about it? When have you felt it? How did it make you feel? Now, are organizations willing to have that conversation to get to where they want to get to in a inclusion and a belonging space? Yeah. And I'm grateful for people like Katie Van Horn and T- Torin Ellis and Minda Hartz who are talking about these things and elevating the conversation. But are organizations willing to get that vulnerable and real? And and like I said, I I look at my wife and I and. um, you know, I'm blessed beyond my wildest expectations. Gustavo, I'll say that. She's been so patient with me. <laughs> the other thing we were willing to have together was um, her undaunting commitment to continue to believe in me and what we're trying to accomplish, even on my worst days when I don't.
2: Mm. Yeah. And
0: I remember her <laughs> talk about vulnerable You know, when when I met her, her whole goal in life was, she said, I really just want to grow tomatoes and raise children. That's what I want. She's got a degree in child child, uh, behavior development. She said, I really just want to grow tomatoes and have children, raise children. And so I remember, you know, as I left this organization, I said, I really want to do this. You know what she said? I'm happy to, I will go get a job. And I remember in the evenings, like literally showing her how to log into Gmail, how to you know, send emails out how to do prospect calls. And she did that job for a while. And then one night I said, you know, you have this side hustle. She's a, she's a far better business person than I am. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) It's just innate with her. And I said, you know, you, you could do really well with this side hustle that you're doing. And a lot of that is trust too. And she said, okay, so she resigned from her job and, and her business was putting vinyl decal vinyl lettering onto um, stores you know, companies would call and say, hey, we want, you know, hashtag American Airlines, you know, these vinyl decals, and she'd ship them out, you know, I am Nike, we see companies that print this, right? I am Visa, whatever it is. Yep. And, um, and I'll never forget, she went out on her own, we were both terrified, we're like, okay, what's going to happen? And the very next day, somebody called from a Lululemon store in the Bay Area and said, hey, we had our meeting here at our store, they love the windows, they asked who did our windows. And I said, oh, it's this lady in Novato, she's super rad which she is you should call her and within a month she had the contracts of all of the lululemon stores in the entire bay area to do their windows <laughs> and and it was crazy she went from you know whatever she was making in her her little hourly job to like quadrupling it yeah and 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 having this very satisfying experience but when you ask this question you know what is it you have i think both of us have that willingness To sacrifice and to be committed to that, like your mom did for you.
1: Yeah, I I tell you, I, I, like I said, I, 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 it struck a chord because I, I, you know, I'm talking to regular folks in HR. Um, Yes, some are executives, some are managers, some are up and coming. But, but from my perspective, it's within reach for most people. And when I heard your story, and not only the organization that you have, and what you're trying to do in terms of impacting culture, um, you know, being willing to pretty much, you know, jump in and 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 take those risks, I recognize that it's not easy for a lot of people. But I wanted to use an example of someone that did it, that is yeah. still going through the process, you know, fresh of the oven, you know, Completely. a year ago. Um, versus someone that you know maybe is five years later, ten years later, and it's is is showing the hustle online, but but people don't realize that it takes time to build. It takes time yeah. to go through the process. And to me, your story is at the beginning, even though it's been written, you know, already for several years. But this this jumping in and deciding we're going to pack our bags, we're going to move to Hawaii is pretty fresh. And, um, you know, I've struggled myself with those decisions. And I have to admit, admit that as a father, you know, I look at my kids and I go, is that the example that I want to teach them? That, you know, you have to be obviously respectful and and professional and think of others. But... But you also have to be willing to take risks. That's how I started this. I enjoy doing this, right? So I told my wife, I started a podcast with my wife uh, last September, I think it was. We did 20 episodes together because I enjoy it. I enjoy the whole idea of technology. I enjoy the whole idea of recording and talking to people. So then coronavirus happens and I put myself out there trying to help. And then I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take advantage of this opportunity since I started it just to talk to people. And that's I how I connected with you. So yeah. I, I I remember seeing, I don't know if um what's his name? The guy, Mike Rowe. I don't know if you remember Mike mm-hmm. Rowe from Dirty Jobs. Mm-hmm. Oh so yeah. Mike Rowe, I saw a video where he talked about people pursuing their passions. And you know, he's big on blue-collar workers and and really trying to get you know, plumbers, electricians, mechanics, because he says, Look, everybody is selling the college dream. In the meantime, yeah. you need somebody to clean your poop. So, right. somebody's going to do it. Right. Um, but he did say, Look, in, in, these are my words, but it's how I capture the message. He says, Look, you, you're pursuing your passions. It's one thing that may work for a lot of people but also pursuing what you're good at may yeah. turn into a passion. So there, there's many of us are on that, on that fence where I go, look, I'm, I'm, I'm good at this. Maybe it can become my passion. And, but no, that's not good enough. I wanna pursue it and I wanna go out there. And I recognize that it's a struggle for many people. I struggle right. myself with that going back and forth. I, I studied to be a, an actor. And as you can see, mm-hmm. <laughs> it did not work out. Um, and, and, and there's part of me that regrets having pivoted. Just like you didn't pursue the FBI, I feel the same way about acting. And even though right now I don't want to act, it's just no, no longer my interest, it reminds me, why, why did I move? Why did I pivot? And now every time that I have a thought, I go, Man, I don't want to re- regret it. I don't want to regret it. Um, and I, know I share there's a lot something of people on out that?
0: There. Yeah, go ahead. Here, here's what I would say to you, Gustavo. Steve Jobs is famous for a lot of things. One of his quotes is, you can only connect the dots looking back. The yeah. mere fact that you are comfortable enough to be on a live with me, to be recording this and asking me questions. What is acting, right? We're, vo- we're volleying back and forth we're sharing stories, we're on a stage. Yeah, a lot of it's scripted, but maybe it's somebody's trips and you have to have that ability to come back in. And so when you look at what you're doing and you connect these dots, I think that's one of the other questions I would, I would ask people. What are you willing to do to make your wish come true? Well, Gustavo, you were willing to record your first podcast. Yeah. And you can rely on the experience you've had. Now, are you on a stage? Are you in theater like you thought you would be? Perhaps not. Yeah. but maybe you are in a much more real and connecting way that's going to touch the individual by your being willing to try something new. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that's the one thing I, I, I look at my wife again, you know, I, I look at that question of what are you willing to do? And I, we hear this often, are you willing to suck long enough to get good at it? And, you know, my wife, I, I'll be really candid. She, she had a real nervous breakdown when we moved to Hawaii. And I I think she didn't see it at the time, but it was um, her being here alone with the children, a major move, Mm -hmm. right? Driving an old truck that stopped every time she turned left, but not telling me about it because she didn't want me to worry about it. You know, all of these things compiling. And one of the things she started to do was to collect shells on the beach. And she would say, is it okay if I just go, I'm going to go walk for an hour and collect shells? Well, she started to collect shells. And then one day, um, a college girl. We have a lot of there's a college here close by and my wife has become friends with all these different college students. And we just tell them, Don't waste your quarters, come use our washer and dryer, stop in anytime you need for food. You know, so when I when I first came, it's not uncommon to walk in and find all these college kids in my house <laughs> eating my food and doing their laundry, which is totally cool. Yeah. But yeah. you know, this this one college student said, Hey, you can make things with these shells. And all of a sudden, my wife is finding old tools, and she's drilling these shells, and she's making stuff for her, right? She's creating in a very similar way to which you're creating your art. Yeah. What you're doing is a real craft, but yeah. you were willing to, to, to work on it. Well, here's the interesting thing is, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not even a month ago, my wife said, oh, I've got some money. I'm going to go buy this. I said, where'd you get this money? Not, that sounded more accusational than I meant it to. She said, yeah. oh, people have been buying my shell jewelry now online. And she said, I, I never did this. I, she, I did it for a creative outlet. You yeah. know, and now it's yeah. led to something else. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's a lot of what Mike Rowe was really driving towards too, is we, there's a, there's a lot of things that we aspire to, but we may miss the opportunities in front of our face. And I'll never forget in an interview. And again, we talk a lot about work and work life. I'll never forget sitting down with a, a president of an organization. And I, I, laid out my five, 10, 15 year goals. My kids were just little at the time. And, and I shared these goals with this president and his advice still sticks with me. He said, these goals are great, but don't become so fixated on the goal, the 10 year, or the 15 year goal that you lose track of the happiness or the joy in the moment where you're at. Yeah. And, you know, several years later, you know, I'm in a, an enviable position in an organization. I had hundred employees that reported up to me, $55 million division. And I was in an interview with a, a candidate, a job candidate. And the candidate said, man, you must love your job. He goes, how do I get to where you're at? Is this your favorite job? And Gustavo, I paused and I went, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not yeah. my favorite job. Yeah. And he goes... And McKenna was like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. But, you know, you have this title and all these things. And he said, well, well, what was your favorite job? I said, my favorite job, honestly, was two positions ago. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm really honest with you, it was two positions ago because I didn't have all the pressure and all these other things that come with it. I still made good money. My span of control was small. That was my favorite job, if I'm really honest. But I was so fixated on that 10-year goal, 15-year yeah. goal, you know. And so I, I love that, too, because I think – we can become fixated in um, reaching the Oprah state yeah, while losing the joy in the process of development and losing the magic of the struggle. Yeah. And I would hope that if anyone watches this, you know, if you find yourself in that struggle, take a deep breath and be grateful for it because it'll help you see things more clearly down the road.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, Christopher, I, I, I've enjoyed our conversation, our second conversation. Um, yeah. you know, I hope that we can meet in person uh, at some point. Uh, I, always I hope calls- it's here,
0: Gustavo. Huh? I'd rather, I said, I hope it's here. I was supposed to be in Ohio this month speaking, by the way, at a conference oh, really? and visiting a youth correction facility. I promised them I would come out and share if you could be kind with of in a youth correction facility. Um, obviously, there's no travel going on, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully in the future
1: who are you who are you working here is it a prison ministry
0: no it's not a prison ministry it's somebody that found you Good be kind through social media and she said i i saw that you were coming to ohio to speak at um i think it was cleveland sherm i was going to speak at Cleve- cleveland sherm she said i saw you're coming out to speak would you be willing or would you be interested in doing anything with our our youth correction facility and i, I did more research into it and i said boy if there's any group that I would just love to, to tell them that they're loved, it would be, you know, these youth in these correction facilities. Absolutely. Well, so hopefully that'll happen in the near future.
1: Well, I ask you because I just recorded a, an episode that I'll be releasing. I think I'm releasing it Saturday with Mike Swire, who's the executive director of True Freedom Ministries, which is mm. a ministry that helps people that have been in prison and we, we at Millennia, the CEO of my company is part of the board of advisors. So when I joined Millennia, he asked me, hey, I want you to work with True Freedoms to see if we can help um, these prisoners. So um, we talked about, you know, and the title is The Prison Penalty um, and how to help, you know, these individuals um, get rid of that prison penalty. Um, yeah. And I think your message it's 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 in line with what he is conveying to employers because of the work that they do before they present these candidates. So if I can ever serve as a connection for that, I will certainly do it.
0: But- um, That'd be wonderful.
1: Look, uh, uh, if I cannot see you in Hawaii, at least in June, I'm hoping to be in Puerto Rico. So you're being a beach, I'll be in a beach with sand, um, with a family and talk about good times. Let me tell you, um, it's it's. I'm I'm ex- extremely excited and hopeful that, that we will be able to go because just being with a family, um, it's certainly. I, I'm I'm am just so looking forward to just being out there, seeing friends. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that people understand that, you know, pursuing your passions, pursuing your dreams, uh, there's work around it. But I think the satisfaction of of. of finding yourself on the other side is, is extremely valuable. Um, I always like to close giving you the floor um, and basically as an opportunity to close the show with anything that you are working on where people can find your company, your organization, and anything that you want to promote that you might be working on.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not really great at self-promotion, but I will definitely promote this given the opportunity. We are so excited to announce that we just received... Uh, Signed and stamped April 14th. It's right here from the IRS, our 501c3 for Do Good, Be Kind. And so we now have what's called Do Good, Be Kind Foundation. Uh Um, And I'm excited about that because it, it allows us to take this in a whole new direction through partnerships, through contributions, through tax deductible contributions to really help grow what we're trying to do, which is to advance kindness and accountability in schools and communities. And the final word I would just leave on that, and it's a, it's a phrase from my book, uh, A Most Remarkable Frog, um, look for the Kickstarter to get that printed here real soon, it's just this, the message of the book is that what we do is proof of who we are. What we do is proof of who we are. And never forget that every morning when the sun wakes up, to let it serve as a reminder for you. that whether it's one-on-one or to a group, you exist to make a difference. And that's what I would share. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gustavo. I'm so Absolutely. grateful for this time.
1: Listen, good luck. We'll remain in touch. And thank you for joining me tonight. Right on. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.